0: Let's turn our attention today to John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. John chapter 14, uh, the the section of John's gospel, chapters 13 through 17, comprise what is known as the upper room discourse. It's the, the last time that Jesus spoke with his disciples before he went to the cross. And in his discussions with them in these chapters, he unveils to them some some concepts and some ideas and some desires of his heart as to how His followers are to relate to certain people, or how we are to relate to certain things. And we've been looking at some of those the last few weeks, and we'll wrap this series up this morning by looking at what Jesus said about your relationship and my relationship with eternity. Specifically, we want to think today about how Jesus changes how we relate to eternity. When I use the word eternity, when we talk about it from the biblical perspective, We are dealing with the condition of our soul at death. That ushers us in to a specific eternity, a time period that has no ending, something that is of eternal duration. And so when we talk about that eternity being the condition of our soul at our death, that is a condition that will not change once we die, nor will it end after we die. You see, everyone is going to experience eternity, but not everyone is going to experience the same kind of eternity. Eternity involves quantity. It does involve length, duration, but it also involves quality. It involves a certain type, or a certain kind of eternity. Everyone's eternity is going to last forever, but not everyone's eternity is going to be the same. Jesus has some words for us about the idea of eternity. You've probably read these words uh, some often, maybe some of you many, many times. It's often uh, words that we often use when we go through Difficulties, So we go through funeral settings or things of that nature. It's it's words I've preached on before, but as I came to these words this week in preparing, I asked just Lord, give me a, a fresh perspective. I don't want to, to, to reheat you anything sermonically. Give me a, a fresh word, a, a fresh insight into what this means for my life and for your life today. Let's look at what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. and you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can't we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me i want you to note a couple of things from the words of jesus himself in john chapter 14 about our relationship with eternity when it is tied to him the first thing i want you to see is this eternity with jesus is linked to a place Okay, eternity with Jesus, it is linked to a place. Note the words of Jesus in verse 2 and verse 3. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, Jesus identifies that place for us back in verse 1. He referred to that place as my Father's house. Listen, every single person here in this building, every single person who's watching us online, every single person who is alive today on planet earth, every single person is going to spend eternity in one of two places, heaven or hell. These are literal places. These are real places. These are actual places. You will spend eternity in one of these two places. Now, We have questions about these places. We wonder about these places. We desire to know more about these places. And if I could give you a word of caution, I don't believe that we're intended to know everything about these places. I don't think our minds, finite minds on this earth can comprehend. I think our heads would literally explode if God were to give us the full revelation of these two places. However, we do need to know what God wants us to know, what He has revealed to us about these places that are involved in eternity. One of those places is called hell. Hell is a place of eternal conscience punishment for those who have died in unbelief. Jesus uses the same word every time he describes hell. It refers to when he re- uses the word hell in the New Testament, he actually refers to a place that was uh, in existence at the time of the that the Bible was written. It was a valley, and this valley in the Old Testament was the place where people who followed the false god Molech, they would take and sacrifice their children in fire. Jesus always connects the word to fire. He always connects the concept to torment. He speaks in the Gospels about how this place, this hell, it a place of eternal fire, Matthew 25. It's a place of unquenchable fire, Mark chapter 9. He uses that valley as a symbol to point to the future punishment of those who die in unbelief toward God. Hell is a place of perpetual torment, never-ending physical suffering, and eternal separation from God. Now, happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) The other place, the place that's mentioned here in the text is a place called heaven. It's a place that is prepared by Jesus for those who have a relationship with Him. We're told a little bit about some of the aspects of heaven. For time's sake, I'm not going to go into it. You've got a Bible. Read Revelation 21 and 22, which talks about the the heaven that we will inhabit for all of eternity. And we're told relatively little about what we're going to do when we get there. But we are told just enough about this place to let us know some of what's going to take place when we get there. For example, we know that that in this place we're going to, in some sense, constantly serve King Jesus that in some way, I don't know exactly how, and I don't know that I'm supposed to know exactly how, but I know that in some way, according to the Gospels, we're going to be serving King Jesus in this place. I I know according to Revelation chapter 19 that we're going to be worshiping King Jesus in this place. In fact, our worship here is preparation and practice for the, the future employment of our hearts and voices and i pray heaven is not baptist <laughs> because this is supposed to be as we worship the the warm up because we're going to spend eternity worshiping Jesus in this place I I know the scripture teaches according to Hebrews chapter 4 verses 9 through 11 that we're actually going to rest in this place but but lest you think I mean rest like some of you rest on Sunday uh, during the sermon it's not the rest like taking a nap it's that idea that in this place we will be finished with the struggle against sin and flesh and Satan and we will perfectly rest in our relationship With Jesus. This eternity is linked to a place that you are headed, be it with Jesus or without Him. Eternity is linked to a place. But secondly, eternity with Jesus is centered on a person. It may be linked to a place, but the place is not the most important. It is centered on a person. Look at the emphasis of Jesus when he speaks of his involvement in our eternity. He said that he was going to personally prepare a place for us. He said, I go to prepare a place. I am going to that place where you will be where I am. We cannot set our eyes on Jesus without setting our eyes on heaven, and we cannot set our eyes on heaven without setting our eyes upon Jesus. You see, heaven isn't heaven because of its contents— It is heaven because of Christ. Take away the streets of gold and heaven is still heaven so long as Jesus is there. Take away the walls of jewels, and heaven is still heaven as long as Jesus is there. Take away the reunions, and I've got loved ones that are there. You do too, and that reunion's going to be sweet and precious. But take away those reunions, and heaven is still heaven so long as Jesus is there. The Bible says absolutely nothing about a heaven where humanity is at the center and where Jesus plays a supporting role. If you were to spend an evening dining with the richest king on earth, you wouldn't just talk about the silverware or the place settings, you talk about the king. And a heaven without Jesus is like a palace without a king. When John was shown heaven, when when John wrote about heaven, he recorded the details of the place, but first and foremost, from beginning to end, he kept talking about Jesus. The presence of Jesus is the essence of heaven. You see, being with a person, being with Jesus is the heart and soul of heaven. Every other heavenly pleasure will derive from and be secondary to his presence because God's grace to us is now and it always has been nothing less than himself. Yes, our eternity with Jesus is linked to a place, but it's centered on a person. Jesus Christ. And because of that, it leads us to number three. Eternity with Jesus is available on only one path. Now, what I'm about to tell you is not popular, but I've never been interested in being the most popular preacher. What I'm about to tell you is not PC, and culturally posh. But I can barely spell those words, much less care about them. See, there's an idea that there are many ways to God. There are many paths we could take. We're all climbing up the same mountain, but we're all just taking different paths to get there. The problem with that. Is that to use a Hebrew word? It's hogwash. <laughs> Look at what Jesus said in verse 6 I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one, no one, no one, no Baptist, no Methodist, no non religious, no, no, no one comes to the Father. Except through me. Jesus did not say that He would show us a way. He said that He was the way. He didn't say that He would teach us a truth. He said that He was the truth. He did not say that He would offer us the secrets of life. He said that He is the life. This is an exclusively inclusive path. I'm going to repeat that. Don't you think about that? The path to eternity with Jesus is an, ex- an exclusively inclusive path. You think, well, wait a minute, don't those things, doesn't being exclusive, it not that the opposite of being inclusive? Listen, there is one path that leads to eternity with Jesus and the Father, but that path is available to any. Person to anyone. It is exclusively inclusive. Acts chapter four, verse twelve. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among my, by men whereby we can be saved. 2 Peter 3 9, the Lord is not slow as some people understand slowness in keeping His promise but He's long suffering us, not wishing that anyone should perish but that all should reach repentance. You cannot, you will not experience eternal life unless you go through Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the only one who lived a life that you could not live. He's the only one who lived the life we were meant to live but could not because of our sin. And Jesus is the only one who died the death we should have died to pay the penalty for our sin. So listen to me this morning. You cannot get enough religion to give you eternal life. You cannot do enough good deeds to earn eternity with God. But what you can do this morning, you can receive the grace of God through Jesus Christ today. You can cry out to Jesus. You can confess your sins to Jesus. You can ask Jesus to be your Lord. You can ask Jesus to save you from yourself and from your sins. He is the only path to eternity in a place called heaven Because He's the only person who matters in eternity, the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you have Him, you have everything. And if you don't have Him, you have nothing. Because eternity is linked to a place, but it's centered on a person, and that person is the only path. But then there's number four. This eternity with Jesus is tied to a promise. Jesus makes a strong promise about this eternity with Him when He says in verse 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will take you to myself that there where I am, you may be also. I will come again, the place of our eternity, the person upon whom our eternity is centered, the path that's available for this eternity with Jesus, it is all tied to this promise I will come again. But understand this morning, this promise is not just about the future. This promise is designed by God to impact us today. You see, this promise changes absolutely everything. Jesus has promised to return for me, and that promise to return for me means that I don't have to get so tied up in this world because this world is not my home. This promise of eternity with Jesus means that I don't have to despair or fret or live in fear. This promise means that there's not one single government made by man that can negate my faith. There's no stock market that can ruin my future. There's not one single day that can ruin my relationship with Jesus Christ because he's promised to come back for me. Now I want you to understand that the promise of Jesus to return doesn't mean that I should stick my head in the sand and pretend there aren't problems in this world. Nor does it mean that I should not seek to be used by God to address the problems in this world. It does however mean that when I see the problems in this world I don't have to lose hope because Jesus has promised that he's coming back and when he comes back he's going to make everything right and he's going to reverse the curse of my sin and of yours. So my dear brother, my dear sister, when we look around and we see injustices in our city and we see injustices in our nation. Let us ask God to use us to be people of justice, to be people who seek justice, but let us not lose hope. Let us not believe that all hope is lost. Instead, let us remember that when Jesus returns, he is bringing perfect justice with him. When we see those who are hungry and need to be fed. Let us allow God to use us to address those issues and to meet those needs and to provide them with food. But let's not let that problem so overwhelm us to the point of despair. Instead let us remember that the promise of Jesus is that He will return and when He returns He will provide a feast for His children that will forever satisfy their soul. When we see those who have been neglected and abused. Let us ask God to use us as their voice and to not just speak about helping, but to actually help them. But let us not become so discouraged that we give up in despair. Instead, let us remember that one day Jesus is going to return, and when He returns, He brings with Him perfect healing as we live in this fallen world. Let us ask God to use us as His hands and His feet, but let us not get so discouraged that we think that what we see is all that will always be. Instead, let us lift up our heads with our eyes to the sky, knowing that our King has promised to return, and when He does He will make all things new. There is coming a day when no heartaches will come, no more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye, all is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that will be. There'll be no sorrows there no more burdens to bear, no more sickness, no more pain, no more parting over there. And forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day, a glorious day that'll be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look into his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by my hand and leads me through that promised land, what a day, what a glorious day that will be. I'm ready for that day. Are you You know the reason I'm ready for that day? The reason I'm ready for that day is not because I've done a bunch of good things. The reason that I'm ready for that day is not because I'm a preacher or a Baptist or because I've been baptized or because I read my Bible or because I pray. Those are all important, but that's not why I'm ready for that day. I anticipate that promise for one reason, Jesus. I'm going to that place, heaven, for no other reason than Jesus. I'm going to see Jesus one day face to face for one reason and one reason only, Jesus. Because he is the path. Have you asked him to be your savior? Well, preacher, I've been baptized. As my dad used to say, you can be baptized, every tadpole in the state knows you by name. I'm not not asking about anything you've done other than have you surrendered to Jesus? If you haven't, you can. He is simply a prayer. Away. And for you, for those of us, me and many of you who have already made the decision to make Jesus our Lord, are we allowing what our eternity will be to impact how I live right now? Because you see, because of my eternity, I don't give a rip what Fox, CNN, anybody else says except right here. Because my eternity is wrapped up in one man, Jesus. So let the world come at me. (laughs) Let sin make its way to me. I'll still fall. I will still fail. I am not what I should be, but I am not what I used to be. Do you know this, Jesus, that you bow your head right where you are? Bow your head right where you are. I I would never, ever embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to stick a hand up or to stand up or even to look at me. I, I, I would never do anything to try to manipulate you. I simply ask you to bow your head, close your eyes for this one purpose so you can block everything else and everyone else out. You can hear one voice from a human, but hopefully you can focus and hear the still small voice of God. If there's never been a time in which you've made Jesus your Lord and Savior, there are no magic words to say. There are no hoops through which you must jump. Simply right where you are, cry out to Jesus as best you know how. Confessing your sin to him, admitting your sin to him, and asking him to save you. Shouldn't there be something else, Pastor? That's grace. The gift of God, not of our works, because Jesus has already done the work. So right where you are, in these next few seconds, would you cry out to Jesus and ask him to be your Lord and Savior? For you, Christian, who've already done that, you are already a follower of Jesus. Has your heart been too wrapped up in this world instead of the world to come? Is there a commitment that you would need to make today to renew your commitment to seek God and to live upon the promise of what he said he will do, not the context in which you find yourself? Let's take 30 seconds, and in these 30 seconds, do business with God. you You know around here we talk a lot about next steps and if the step you just took today was to make jesus your savior and lord we would love for you to share that with us and as we navigate this post-covid culture and we're currently not having a traditional invitation as we might have had in the past this was our invitation just now but you also will have an opportunity to share with us your decision to make Jesus your Lord. In the pew in front of you, there's a yellow card that is your next step card. And if you take just a second and complete that, if you made that decision today, and I'll be at the next step desk right out here outside this sanctuary, and you, you just hand that to me or just drop it off in the offering boxes as you leave here today. Salvation, that may have been a step you've already taken, and. And while baptism's not going to get us there, while being a member of a church not going to get us there, while while reading our Bible doesn't get us there, those are important things. And maybe your next step is baptism. Maybe your next step is to to be a a part of the Lord's work through the ministry of First Baptist Church, Milton. I don't know what your next step is, but I know that that yellow card has those steps on there, and we would so much desire for you to let us know what that next step is and we'd love to come alongside you as you take that next step or you can go online to fbcmilton.org slash next steps and let us know that way so we can come alongside you we weren't meant to do this alone we want to come alongside you so that god can continue to work and to move into your life to our guest